0: She wants to record this. It, oh, but are you going to cut, cut, cut?
1: Welcome to Major Grisier. <laughs> <laughs> and we're looking forward to this month. We're just bringing you more hits more often, continually big, big bottles.
0: That are all, no, we're going to play all the songs that <laughs> use the word wine.
1: <laughs> Sounds just like him. <laughs> and we have Sally, who just had a terrible breakup oh. with her dog of eight years. They broke up. She was tired of taking him out to Tinkle.
2: <laughs> I don't blame her. Hey, everyone. It's Sonia's aunt, producer of the Major Crush Winecast. We got new podcast equipment. <laughs> this is crazy.
0: I hear myself too much. Okay. All right.
1: So so here's a song for (laughs) (laughs) Sally.
0: I was going to sing red, red wine. (laughs) wine. Isn't that red, red wine? (laughs)
2: Then you're going to hear my
0: beautiful singing voice.
2: I promise you it's the same show. Just hopefully it will sound a little better.
1: Hey, everybody, it's Lou Zant.
0: And this is Meredith Griffin.
1: Hey, thanks so much for being here, and welcome to mm-hmm. another Season 4 podcast. And I'm so excited, Meredith. Uh, you know, you and I talked about going into this podcast. Our hearts are just swollen with gratitude.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm full of gratitude. I just...
0: We did this, and we are so grateful for all of those people who have been following us now into Season 4, because... Well, as you can maybe hear, we've got new equipment. Boom. And so we know our quality has been not so great at times, but you all have stuck with us and keep listening, and now we've got fantastic equipment. I can hear myself more than I ever wanted to.
1: We sure have, and we just appreciate the, those of you who are constantly encouraging us about the podcast and how much you're enjoying it. I, mm-hmm. I'm i going to give a big shout out to my boy, Dave Glickman. He... he uh, he listens to us to uh, at the end of the night to help unwind, and yeah. you know I love that boy so much. And Matt Jensen, I mean, th- his family's so beautiful, and Matt, uh, I. I love him, and and he's like my hero. And here he is <laughs> listening to my podcast.
0: Yeah, and I know we have uh, a few people. Greg Pigeon is someone who I yeah. get texts and emails from saying, "Hey, I love your podcast," and he talks about specific ones. And they joined our wine club, which is so I'm so grateful to him. And then Amy Kathleen Smith is someone who has her own podcast, Collective Light. And she's reached out and says how much she likes to listen to us while she's cooking dinner at the end of the night. She puts in her Mm. little AirPods and cooks dinner and listens. And I was like, gosh, that makes me feel kind of cool.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah. And just like we're always trying to make our podcast better Mm -hmm. and deliver content to our listeners that that they want to share and and get more insights. Because, we, you know, Meredith, I mean... It's just who we are. We love crushing, we love flirting with mm-hmm. wine, we mm-hmm. love talking wine.
0: We're just kind of wine nerds who love to share and our goal is that we get that other people kind of fall in love with wine too and join a community and see the value in how wine connects people and creates a whole wine culture and community and
1: Well, the- I know I'm like a little puppy when I know you're coming back up here for a week or two and I, yeah, my buddy, we get to go do some crazy, you know, there's just nothing like going out tasting wine with you. Uh, and, and we just break it down and it's cool. And I love that we can share it with, uh, with people and, and, you know, our commitment to always learning.
0: Yeah, and I'm the same way. When I get to come back and I know I get to hang out and talk wine and taste wine, and it's the thing I miss most about not being here. Like, I love New Orleans. New Orleans is cool. It's a cool vibe, great people, but I don't get to hang out with you all and go taste wine and do our podcast and meet all our friends.
1: Yeah, and you you know, guys, you can stay in touch with us on Facebook through the major crush community yes. Instagram mm-hmm. we have we uh, you know Sonya just puts together these beautiful
0: Let's just give a shout-out to Sonia for gratitude because this wouldn't be happening if it wasn't for her. (laughs) You think? (laughs) She puts up with us and does all of the production of this because you and I don't have a clue on how to do any of that. We just get to talk wine, and she does all that stuff. So shout-out to her. I don't know if we've showed her enough love.
1: It's really great. And um yeah, we're going to be bringing on some new teammates for marketing. I'm excited about that. Yep,
0: and we and I got to meet my new nephew Crush who is chewing on our new equipment right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Crush man.
0: Um <laughs> He's a he mess. is so cute. I can't wait for Chase to get back out I here no he and, needs a
1: playmate.
0: Um I think by the time Chase gets here it'll be good cuz Chase might overpower him right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, he'll be a little bigger when he gets. Yeah,
0: out. he's yeah. going to be a big boy. I'm looking at those paws right now. He's oh, going to be a don't
1: say it big
0: boy. I
1: want him to just be a puppy forever.
0: Yeah, well. Anyway, I guess we should get on to chatting about some wine. Yeah, let's topics. kick it. You know,
1: I, I'm really excited about the topic we're going to do because a lot of you know very 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 few people, including you and I, not long ago had any clue of the, let's call it the grapevine to the glass?
0: It, that's a great way to think about it. And, you know, we I, I announced this. I don't know if announce is the right word. But last fall, I decided to take on the challenge of the WSET diploma level, uh, not quite realizing what I was getting myself into. God love you. But... I kept thinking, you know, Lou, you're so great because you have all this opportunity. You live here. You do tourism. You get to go taste wine. And you're always learning because you're sitting down with so many winemakers all the time. And now that I'm not living here, I felt like my learning of wine had become a little stale. And so Mm -hmm. a great way to continue that. And I've also always been – I could have been a lifelong student. I love school. Yeah, you are. But uh, I took on this challenge and it's 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 been a journey and so i am back in town not only to do major crush stuff but i have two exams and uh, less than forty-eight hours, and I cannot wait to cross those two exams off yeah, I my. I noticed
1: you were a little list. cross-eyed today. <laughs> I didn't know why.
0: Yeah, so for all of the listeners, I've taken on. It's the Wine and Spirit Education Trust. It's their diploma, diploma level of wine, so it's level four, and ultimately, it's the highest level you do with WSET before I would go do Master of Wine. Um, and I, I kind of equate this as it's an 18 month to 3 year process of getting it depending cuz you can you can't move on to the next tiers until like i have to pass this love this part 1 and part 2 before i can move on to the next parts of it um, as to getting a masters degree a little bit like master of wine to me uh, yeah, is I a think that's phd what it is. Yeah. this is more maybe cuz i mean it's an 18 month to 3 3 year commitment yeah. which is usually what a masters degree is mm-hmm. um, but it's been fun so
1: well, I saw you light up when Philip O'Connor at Handwritten Wines yeah. uh, looked at us and said he just finished.
0: Yeah, he had just finished. Now, when
1: I asked him, he said, "Don't do it." When you <laughs> saw you, your your little lips got <laughs> stiff and went, "I'm going to do it."
0: Don't tell me not to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So anyway, so I think why I'm probably more stressed than anything is usually you do one exam at a time. You do the part one, you pass it, you move on to part two. Well, because of COVID, I didn't get to do the part one. So I'm doing both parts this week. Um, so it's two tests back to back Uh, and it's just a lot of information, but we kind of thought maybe what would be fun is like Lou said is just kind of, you know, we'd sit down and talk with some winemakers, but what's, you know, viticulture to winemaking.
1: Um,
0: and we, we've mentioned this sometimes, sometimes you sit down with that glass of wine. How many people did it take? To get to that glass of wine,
1: well, that's it, you know. And you think of some prices on wines, and why are they why are they asking so many prices? Well, let's get into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 layered, guys. It's deep. So here, are you guys, let's let's do this. You're the wine producer, mm-hmm. and you're walking in the vineyards. Let's think about the decisions that have to be made mm-hmm. to bring it to the final juice that can be poured into a glass and enjoy.
0: Mm-hmm. And some of the things, you know, taking on this diploma level, the, the first thing you always think about is what's the end goal? Are you someone who is going to make small quantity uh small quantity, limited production, premium, ultra-premium wines, or are you someone who wants to do high production, maybe inexpensive to mid-priced? That's the first question you have to yeah. ask yourself as someone who's going to become a producer um, because that drives, drives a lot of what you're going to do. But the other theme and sort of um, thing that you talk about is what's your approach to grape growing? And this and this parlays then into winemaking sometimes. Uh, but we've talked a lot. We've had the opportunity to talk with those out there doing organic and biodynamic winemaking. Mm-hmm. So that's it. There's basically five types of viticulture approaches. Conventional, which we'll dive into what do we really mean by conventional sustainable, which is a word that's been starting to be thrown around a lot more than it once was, organic biodynamic, which, again, we've we've talked to a lot of winemakers out there and have kind of looked at that before, and then precision is just a fun one to throw in there because it's something really new and different that winemakers are doing.
1: Are we going to talk about precision? Yeah,
0: we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that's a new bit.
1: one. Well, you know, I, when you and I, when we're talking to friends and and guests that are out here and you know a lot of our club members by the way majorcrushwineclub.com mm-hmm. uh, that are getting our four bottles you know we've we've done many organic wines we've done mm-hmm. some sustainables we've mm-hmm. done some biodynamics
0: mm-hmm. and um in fact the the Chardonnay that we have from wine snob is sustainable vineyard
1: yeah yep yep, yep. and then um so is, well, actually, Front Porch. You know, I didn't talk a lot about that, but they, they're that valley that they have, it's just this entire organic farm mm-hmm. from olive trees to fruit trees to gardens that have onions and, you know, berries and unbelievable. This thing. Yeah, and it's uh, it's close to bi- and and Devera was biodynamic.
0: Biodynamic. So the, it, you know, go back and listen to that to really dive deep into all the things they do. But I think what gets you know, I I know for myself, what does it really mean just to to conventional? What if you're not yeah, doing Yeah, let's these- dig into that. So conventional and I don't I think really applies to all types of agriculture, obviously we'll focus on viticulture. But basically, my understanding and learning is that this kind of became something in the second half of the 20th century. There were just a lot of significant changes in farming, and basically, what it, and again, all all agriculture and obviously viticulture uh, we'll focus on. But the goal became to increase the yield of product by reducing the amount of manual labor, so that you know. Overall, profits could be increased. And so there was a big change in how farming was dealt with. And a lot of what happened was it became greater mechanization. So obviously limits labor costs. But to do that, you have to usually the way you plant and how you plant is affected by that. And, of course, you know, use of more sprays and fertilizers. Yeah,
1: unfortunately.
0: Yep. And then um, another thing that is clonal selection. So choosing choosing the specific type of product that you want to grow. Big effect grow. there for a
1: while. Big effect there for a while.
0: Mm-hmm. So one of the things... Um, that we learn is what this cause was these creation of monocultures and what they mean by a monoculture is just that there's a lack of biodiversity in, and we're going to just talk about grape growing, but within the vineyards. So they remove any other plants or organisms that could cause, you know, competition or any type of, um, risk of of disease in that. So they remove a lot and just plant one type of thing for the ease of mechanization, but the the risk of that is that you kind of deplete the soil, the biodiversity, yeah. um, and sometimes you increase a greater risk of disease because if you have all the same thing,
1: you 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 create Rambo insects. Yeah,
0: <laughs> they learn
1: how to attack it.
0: Right, and then you have the same thing, so it's easier to attack the same thing than if you had diversity. That well, that thing won't you know can you know is isn't as susceptible to it. Um, so that was one of the negative things of monoculture. And so it also, um, it kind of depletes the nutrients in the soil because if you're getting rid of all the other, the, all the good, all these other plants and things out there, you can, you're not, ha- you don't have like an ecosystem. Yeah. You haven't created an ecosystem where that it allows it to replenish itself.
1: Well, then, that's when the encouragement to go biodynamic and and even even to the level because you know it is Meredith, it's so confusing and brutal. A lot of my guys just say, "Golly," when they go to try to get a, a certification in organic mm-hmm. or biodegradable, biodynamic. It's really tough, mm-hmm. and the fact is that these guys are really committed to purity of wine and and the and the you know. Uh, taking care of the vineyards with mm-hmm. the least amount of interference and that, mm-hmm. but they might wash their their tanks out with a substance that's not yeah. organic. You yeah, know?
0: and that affects it. And you know, one of the things I learned more about in doing the W set is sustainable vit- sustainable. See, I like this viticulture. Yeah, and I think of this as kind of the in between between in between conventional and then organic and biodynamic it's a it's definitely a more thoughtful approach because their goal with sustainable viticulture is obviously to do as little intervention as possible but they do recognize that sometimes intervention is needed and one of the ways they do that is sort of setting these guidelines um and especially in terms of like economic impact so they consider like setting a thread hole so if You know, the economic impact is going to be too great. So in other words, if the damage done by either pests or a disease is going to be greater than the cost of intervention, then it it makes sense. That you're to might make have, a move on it? Yeah, that you might have to spray a, fung- you know, a fungicide yeah. or an herbicide, or you might have to do something like that, but you're going to hopefully not have to. And one of the things that we learned a lot about is this idea of integrated pest management. So it, it puts the onus on learning what your vineyard is most susceptible f- to pat what kind of things and what to look for, but then also what's the best way to do it where it means getting ahead of it so that hopefully you won't have to spray or if you do you do use as little as possible. Right.
1: Would that be the research of the of creating that Saint George rootstock that was phylloxera resistant? Yeah. It's like any, that type of yeah,
0: thing. Yeah, that kind you know, there's different and even to the point there's um the there's a a pest called the ne- nemato- nematodes. Nematodes, yeah. They're little microscopic worms. Yeah, they're brutal, and they can do damage. Well, there's root stock that is, um, uh, what you know, resistant to yeah. nematodes. So planning that. So it's just a way of a much more mindful approach. The problem with it as we know with so many things, there's no legal definition. So there's no actual governing body that oversees sustainable vineyard, which can make it challenging because it means people can push the limits right on what they call sustainable. Yeah.
1: It changes, though, when you go into organic.
0: Yeah, and that's that's the thing. And so um, I think it's important. Sustainable is, I think, something to be more aware of. And it just is you don't – we can't be 100% sure what – it means when someone says it's.
1: Yeah, but it, you know, it's an effort.
0: Yeah. And one of the things I am proud of is like Lodi is one of the areas that's, um, there's actually an agency, Lodi Rules is one that's setting standards. Really? Uh huh. So Cal- here in California, there, we're actually being very proactive, and like places like Australia is another one that's really big on sustainable yeah, viticulture. That makes sense.
1: I've heard that. Yeah.
0: But, you know, and we don't probably want to dive into organic and biodynamic too much. It's because I know you can go back and listen to our interview. DeVero dives really deep into biodynamic.
1: Yeah, I think the main thing is, is you know, it's the balance of nature. And, golly, Meredith, when we walk through DeVero's vineyards mm-hmm. and you're just like all of a sudden surrounded by butterflies. Yeah. And... You know, there's these wild flowers growing, and you look over the side, and there's pigs that are <laughs> that are running around wild, and chickens with them, and I mean, it's like something out of a out of a painting or something. Yeah, that's so beautiful, and I appreciate it so much. And what I'm understanding is that most of France. Almost all going bi- biodynamic. They
0: have a pretty um, high amount, a lot of organic for sure. A lot of organic, um, but more biodynamic. But I think what's interesting—I mean, everyone knows DRC, right? Yeah. Do you always say Domain, DRC? Yeah, yeah. that's what the young people say because it's cool. That they're a biodynamic vineyard, and I think it gets mm. overlooked because you don't think. But a lot—it's—it's it's usually smaller. M- production wineries that are doing biodynamic because it is obviously to do biodynamic. Of
1: course, yeah. Central California isn't.
0: Yeah, you have to do – it's much more hands-on on on what you need to do. Um, But I just think, you know, some of the things that they talked a little bit, I just think it's fascinating to think about how they – the They grow, uh, their grape growing practices coincide with the cycles of the moon, stars, and planets. And one of the things, just to give an example of that. So is an example, if the moon is ascending, it evokes a summer mood, which means sap is rising in the vine. And if sap is rising in the vine, that means that's not a good time to prune because it means it's greater risk of... I'm assuming greater risk of disease or just not well disrupting health. the flow of sap, yeah.
1: which is bringing the the, the um car uh, the um yeah, car- what is it to sugar you know yeah the
0: carbohydrates the
1: carbohydrates over to sugar yeah so, so the starch in the vines right <clears throat> converting into the grapes right for
0: so you know. I think that's interesting and uh. The on the other end, it's a good time to take cuttings for from vines to graft when this is happening. Um, so I just think that just those kinds of things, just more thoughtful about thinking yeah. well, about. Well, I like whole how they, yeah, they
1: come up with they build birdhouses, different shaped birdhouses to attract specific birds mm-hmm. that will eat specific insects. Mm-hmm. They do that um, cow's horn stuff with manure and crystals that somehow, mm-hmm. some way. Uh, when they create a tea and spray the leaves, it creates a pheromone that repels yes. insects, and then hawks and owls to take care of the rodents. It's really a beautiful way.
0: It's, it's it, it. It takes into account uh, one of the things I think emerges is like not just the plants, but the organisms and the people. Yeah, that and, all and, parts and of
1: I'll it. encourage I'll encourage uh, listeners that that do have allergies to wines. My sense is that their allergy is not to sulfites, but it might be to some of the additives and Mm -hmm. some of the things that uh, a non-sustainable, non-organic, non-biodynamic vineyard might use. And so Mm -hmm. if you are, try an organic wine, try a biodynamic wine. Mm -hmm. And one uh, one of the things that I'm noticing, Meredith, with biodynamics especially, and there's this category now, they're calling it fresh wine. Oh. And it's really acidic. Remember when we were trying those wines off of yeah. 8th Avenue and, you know, they were all really high uh, pH. Yeah.
0: Is that kind of like sort of similar to natural wines?
1: Yeah, naturals. That's what I mean. Not oh, fresh. Okay. Naturals. Okay. Sorry.
0: No, no, no. I, because I think that's the um, going into the where you can kind of, you would, uh, you would think that what you set, you do grape growing, but as we know, there's a lot of people who don't grow their own grapes and they buy grapes. And then there's a lot of people who are just grape growers and sell. But, you know, typically, yes, if you buy organic grapes, you're going to make organic wine. If, obviously, biodynamic, you're going to make a biodynamic wine. But like you said earlier, you can grow grapes organically. I You notice this on bottles. It'll say um, made with organic grapes. Mm -hmm. But they can't call it an organic wine because to what you alluded to before. If there are certain things added because there are a lot of different things that can be added to wine, or not, I shouldn't even say added, manipulations that can be done to wine. And one of the examples is sulfites, um, SO2 being added to a wine. If you use that here in the US, you cannot call it an organic wine. Now, what's interesting though, is in Europe, in the EU system, if you can have a certain amount of sulfites that are allowed to be added and still call it organic. Now it's a minimal amount. I think it's like 10 grams per, I don't know, per liter or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's not
1: much, yeah. It's
0: not much. But here in the U.S., if you add any sulfites, now there are always some naturally occurring sulfites that occur from fermentation. Mm-hmm. But if you add any, you can't you can't call yourself organic. So that's why wine could be made with organic grapes, but then not be called organic wine.
1: Yeah, I, I've heard there's less, there's more sulfates in a half a teaspoon of peanut butter than a bottle of wine, mm-hmm. it, unless it's been added. And, um these doggone additives, you know, I've I've been there. I've been in the in the labs when the wine's a little flat; mm-hmm. it's not really presenting well, and they add a, they add this African gum, which is almost like a sugar concentrate, mm. and they bring that sugar up. and And uh, what's what's Lars' favorite? Uh,
0: oh, mega purple, mega purples. Or, yeah,
1: and those are the things that give you the splitting headaches at three mm-hmm. o'clock in the morning.
0: Yeah, so they can. This isn't as common anymore, but they used to be even enhancing to increase alcohol content when regions that used to be too cold, like Burgundy, they would could add things back to increase the alcohol because th- there was such low sugar that it didn't convert yeah, to the, high alcohol. Yeah, there
1: wasn't enough sun. To, yeah. yeah. You know.
0: um, that's rarely the case now, but exactly to what you're in. Sulfites, you could go back to our interview with Lane Tanner, who talked a lot about sulfites and how just improper cleaning sometimes or reusing barrels too much you have to use a lot of extra sul- sulfite so that's when it becomes a problem is when it's just being it's, they're using it to make up for a lack of quality and hygiene um, but that's why, uh, why some grape growers might have or wineries have organic grapes but not an organic wine <laughs> Let me just talk about precision viticulture, because I think this is like technology at com- working in the vineyard. So we just learned precision viticulture, um, before we go back into winemaking, because I don't want to skip over it, is basically, and it's primarily being done in California and Australia, kind of the new world more progressive markets. But basically, it uses technology like GPS monitoring, and they can monitor specific differences of what's happening in the vineyard from within a single row, within a plot, within a vineyard, and then you take that data to make interpretations and make changes. So, for instance, they could find that in this one row of vines, why is this, the these four vines are producing a lot better than those four vines, and they'll find that because there's, you know, X more, this is more fertile soil, so if you change the rootstock, these vines will be w- just as productive as those vines.
1: You know where we saw that, Meredith? When we were in Paso Robles. And we went to Terry Hogue.
0: Yeah.
1: And that, and that wine. Uh, the the guy that kind of managed his vineyards right. was sharing with us. And we looked up on the top of the hill, and God, they were just emaciated looking vine. They were, yeah. you know, pale and.
0: That's right. And he
1: said and he was doing these things to change
0: them. To change, yeah, it's really precision, and I think they have some special term that they use for it. Um, variable rate application technology so you can Mm, like i know right let's see if i remember that um so yeah i think it's just interesting and again it it's it's an expensive um way to do vineyard management so typically only like if you're high production or if you're really about small ultra premium wines are using it but who knows maybe you'll start to see it see it more but i think it's a fascinating it's we just keep seeing technology everywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy.
0: Um, so the, I think one other thing because you you alluded to this, we got into a little bit of the uh, natural winemaking because that's a really big thing now. In fact, one of the guys that's on the Psalm was in the Psalm movie is now a natural winemaker, and I can't remember which guy. Is he it the guy
1: is. in Santa Barbara that's doing the Pinot, kind of the Indian?
0: No, it was one of the main guys who went through the master psalm. There's, mm. I think he's up in Oregon doing it. But, oh. um, so natural winemaking kind of has the same negative that sustainable does in terms of like there's no legal definition of what natural winemaking means. But their philosophy is pretty much nothing added, nothing removed. Yeah,
1: nothing added, nothing removed. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there, I love that you know I really do. Mm-hmm. And you know what you're saying, what you're kind of alluding to is you know we've always known that you want to plant Chardonnay and Pinot near cool, breezy areas, mm-hmm. Carneros, Sonoma Coast, whatever. Um, <clears throat> I learned uh, thanks to Lars uh, that Burgundy, with well, a big Pinot country, has thirteen hundred microclimates. Wow! You know we have forty. Yeah. But, you know, those tight clusters yeah. are, to, are prone to mold. Mm-hmm. You need cool air. You need constant breeze. That's the old school. Mm-hmm. And now look where they've come with some of yes. these techniques you're talking about.
0: Yeah. It's definitely, I mean, I guess it's like everything, right? In the world, we're advancing. And some of that is good and some of that's probably not so good. And honestly, if you think about natural winemaking, that's how it was made hundreds of years ago. We didn't have all the technology to be able to. Increase the alcohol, or deacidify, or add tannin. Wine was just what it was. Yeah, what you Talk a produced. little bit
1: about deacidifying because when you know with biodynamic, one of the ch- or natural wines, what you're going to have is a little bit of a challenge because when nothing's added, you're going to get some some. Maybe some imbalanced acid. You know, they're mm-hmm. you're going well. It's got this deliciousness, but it's tart. Yeah. It's a little bit tart or a little bit sour. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not doing things. So talk a minute about so
0: deacidification. And this is a good quiz for me because I'm sure this will be could be part of my exam. But deacidification means removing acid, and usually it's done with potassium or calcium carbonate, which mm-hmm. is basically added into the wine and it's it can be you done before or after fermentation i'm pretty sure and so if you add that to it basically it um the particles are attracted to that and then you just you you basically are eliminating the acid. I might be getting that a little bit rhyme, right, but I know it's done through calcium or potassium carbonate is how you will wine. De- well that's by the opposite wine. pH. Yeah. So you're yeah, exactly so lowest. opposite ions kind of and now another way is I think you can do it through like an ion exchange, um, which is a high technology way of
1: yeah, doing that, that. That's that's how I've I've yeah a couple of our buddies do that.
0: It's different. And then you can also add acid to a wine which I would think could end up now with sometimes you know when it's really hot in certain areas and the grapes get so ripe and lose so much acid that's another rule. That's probably even something that's being done more often is, I think it is. more acids being yeah. added, which can be done. There's four different ways acid can be added. You can do it through adding tartaric acid, which is the thing that's in already present in grapes, so it's the most natural thing to add back. Citric acid, which a lot of, I think EU doesn't allow citric acid used. You can use lactic acid. Um, at the at the end, malic acid can be added, but the problem is then it could convert back to, or you could go, it could go through MLF.
1: Yeah, it converts the 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 yeah. mallow into yeah. lacto.
0: Yeah. So I think acidifying, but there are a lot of different things that can be done if a if a winemaker is not happy with the product of the wine. Um, well,
1: you do get it a lot, and and there's like you're saying, it's needed. Temecula. Some of these areas, Texas, um, you know, is becoming a, a, a big wine area. You know, even Calistoga, it gets so hot. So hot,
0: yeah. That
1: there's many times I think they got to add acid. But you know, I've been I've been kind of working down there at the old cheese factory downtown yeah. Sonoma, doing the wines and and listening to people and having a ball learning about cheese and yeah and um, and a lot of people today are coming in and saying, do you have anything vegan? Yeah. What's the story there? What's Yeah, what, what? so
0: what's really... I think there's a greater awareness around this. So in natural winemaking, just kind of because this goes on that, nothing added, nothing removed. So often wines are fined or filtered, clarified before they're bottled. And as you know, a wine, if it hasn't had that, can have a haziness to it. And that's there's not necessarily anything bad in, in that. Um, but... It can be unappealing to look at, and there is the potential that sometimes, if there's some proteins left, they can then contribute off off aromas and off flavors. Yeah, like Um, a little
1: sulfur. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And so most most natural wines,
1: Pinots do, do it a lot.
0: Yeah, there's no there's no natural wines typically don't fine or filter but if you're going to find your wine a lot wines that are fined which means again they're clarifying the wines they're taking out these proteins that they don't want to potentially cause issues a lot of animal products are used in fining, can be used. So, for instance, egg whites can be used to. Re- they're used in a lot of times in high quality red wines to remove harsh tannins.
1: Yeah, big time in France, and they make that incredible dessert that I love. Oh
0: yeah, that the, Pascal, Pascal talks Pascal about. Pascal oh gives it, and his, he's oh, it's so good.
1: Petaline something. I won't even try oh, to say it, but it
0: is delicious. In made fact, from
1: the egg yolks.
0: It's you want to be in France at heart. Um, no, at bottling time. Yeah, I guess but at, it'd be. or
1: at fermentation time. Yeah, they, you know, what he told me is that's what they did. They used all the egg whites on the wine, so the yellows were there, mm-hmm. and they made this dessert.
0: Gosh. It's so he gave us some. It was fantastic. I it's love made it. with all yolks, so mm. it's pretty hearty. Um, Petalines,
1: so, I think. Is yeah,
0: what. we got to look that up. We got to get some more of that from Pascal. Mm. Uh, yeah, so egg whites can be used. Another uh, protein uh derived product is casein that can be used, which comes from milk products. Um, that can be used to remove browning in white and wine. And you know,
1: the tartar, the tartaric acid mm-hmm. is the same uh, powder that's used in tartar sauce. So if you ever really? want to know what it tastes like, you know, added with a little mayonnaise, it's that's that's what it no is. Idea. Yeah. Well,
0: see, learn something all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing that can be used is gelatin, gelatin, which is a protein collagen derived from pork, and that can remove astringency and bitterness in red wines, and it can also, I think, remove browning in white wine. Um, so those can be used. Another one that's an example of this is Isinglass, which is derived from fish bladder, and that's often used to effect, effectively clarify white wines. So wow, if I was going to have
1: some grilled fish, <laughs> fish bladder this this <laughs> evening too.
0: Just, I just ruined your appetite mm. for that, huh?
1: Yeah, and I know, guys. You know, I'm, I'm so glad we were able to hit it hit on this subject because I've learned so much. Uh, with this study and um you and people now realize everything that a winemaker has to think about and meet with the manager the vineyard mm-hmm. manager and mm-hmm. you know, the management company and you know these decisions guys you know when do you when do you plow out the cover crops when do yeah. you feel confident you know yeah. what happens when there's a, a Indian spring and there's 10 15 yeah. days of gorgeous, warm, sunny weather, and your, all your vines break bud, and, and then boom, a then storm comes hits. in and frost, and it knocks all the buds off, and yeah. they create shatter. So, you know, I love that saying that uh, the guy told me show me a farmer that's an atheist, and I'll show you a fool. <laughs> A lot of stuff goes I into mean, it. There's
0: so much that they can't control as the winemaker, but yet they have all these decisions. I don't know if I would sleep if I was a grape grower. Maybe yeah. in the winter during winter dormancy, I'd hibernate. And yeah. That's it.
1: And I think I think really, if people are, are are enjoying wine and and it's becoming a part of their life, they they need this. They mm-hmm. need to hear this and and make their decisions. Uh, you know, better mm-hmm. on what they get. You know, it's good to. Uh, You know, and guys, again, for the Major Crush Wine Club, um, Meredith and I do painstaking uh, (laughs) things to make sure that they're getting a a quality, um, at least sustainable. We're not going to say it's all organic, but a lot of it is.
0: Yeah. A lot
1: of it's biodynamic, but it's sustainable, and, um, you know, we try to... Share that on our videos.
0: Mm-hmm. We try. We yeah. try to learn as much as we can about the wine and how it's made, and make sure that we're delivering a good product to you. And I th- and and also I think you know learning about the viticulture is just how much goes into making wine, and just how much more to enjoy every single glass and have a respect for Mother Nature who helped bring that glass of wine, and everyone in the process who's yeah. just doing the best they you know. Dealing with the grapes and all the stress a and planting a
1: lot and lot to it
0: because it's a beverage, but a lot of work goes into getting that beverage. Oh, I do don't you. feel
1: bad about paying what I'm paying for a bottle of wine because, yeah. golly, and it's so beautiful and it creates a mood, it creates fellowship, and it you know it enlightens a meal and it you know
0: yeah sometimes
1: it's just a great feeling rocking in a chair out on the porch with a, with a
0: <laughs> little guy. little porch pounding with the or bottle. sitting
1: in the park or yeah. sitting on the back of the pickup yeah
0: <laughs> with all our peas
1: i love it but, well
0: yeah so we kind of did a little bit of a different dive into our podcast but i think it's uh you know sometimes it's fun for lou and i just to sit and nerd out about some wine topics and why not let you listen in to us being a little nerdy for a because we're kind of like that all the time, yeah. probably.
1: So everybody, say your prayers for Meredith in her, in her exams, <laughs> and uh, she'll be in our prayers. And uh,
0: and I, it's it's ten weeks before I get my results, so. Yeah. Don't don't ask for 10 weeks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's so brutal.
0: And so, if you don't hear anything, it means I didn't pass.
1: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so again, you know, if if you're if you're anxious to try some of these wines that that are growing the way we've been talking, mm-hmm. go to majorcrushwineclub.com and uh, become a uh, Member, we're doing a four-bottle offering every month of mm-hmm. hand-picked wines that Meredith and I have picked, mm-hmm. and it comes with a, an in-depth video of the tasting notes on all the wines, yeah. and then the exciting part, a little pair with Mare.
0: Pair with Mare? Yeah, a little and,
1: food pairing. Yep. That's,
0: I can try and convert Lou to...
1: A little healthy. Something, <laughs> something yeah. he'll We're gonna he'll do pair with Lou and be blue. Uh, no, for the naughtiness. But uh
0: Yeah, and then we Blue will add a few blogs. Like I think you just did a blog on screw screw caps versus corks. Yeah. So we've got we you've got all kinds of content that we're as we say, we're not just a wine club. We're a wine community and we try to give you everything to help you share and pair the wines. Yeah. And with and Those we'd love to love. see what
1: you're doing. You know, if you can send us any kind of videos or reviews or pictures, mm-hmm. uh, our it's at uh, either Lou or Meredith at Major MajorCrushWines.com yep. or our emails.
0: Yeah. Or go to our, follow us at, at Major Crush Winecast on both Facebook and Instagram and post there as yeah. well.
1: And make sure you like and subscribe to our podcast. That helps us a lot.
0: It definitely does. And until next time, and also we always want to hear if you if there's something you want to hear yeah, a topic. Topics, yeah, let us know because we're wide open to things. We've got we've got we're looking forward to some more winemaker interviews this year, and uh, maybe a few other surprises up our sleeves. We have
1: got a couple of surprises. I like it. Yeah. All right. Thanks again, All guys, right. and we'll see you next soon.
0: time. I wish I could get the beat of that. Red, red wine.
1: Red, red wine. <laughs> makes me feel fine <laughs> sometimes.
2: Cracking.
0: Crush is whining at your singing.
2: Thanks for listening to this new and hopefully improved episode of Major Crush. As Marin Lou said at the top of the show, the fans and followers of this podcast make everything we do feel important to us. So we'll keep on striving to come up with great content to help us stay connected to you in a genuine way. There are a few ways to find us, so be sure to check out our show notes for this episode to learn more. You'll find ways to post your own stories so we can see what you're up to, as well as ways to get your hands on the wines we curate every month for the Crush Collection. We'll see you next week with another episode of Major Crush. Until next time. Thank you.